right, welcome back to the Friday edition of the Not Dead Yet podcast. I'm your host, John Mason Brink. I'm here with Tim Ward, my gracious and beautiful co-host. Tim, how you doing? What an entry. Um, <laughs> thanks, JP. Sure. I mean, we are looking at each other behind the podcast stuff. You know, we we do a video podcast. We We don't do a video podcast, but John and I are able to see each other and Usually this time on a Friday morning, it's been a long week. We look a little haggard. I'd yeah, agree with we, that. I don't know. We may or may not be wearing pants. I don't even know. Yeah, That's it's the a weekend. Way to start the Friday. Yeah. But this is the shortened, kind of abridged version of our, our regular weekly podcast. So thanks for listening. Uh, we have uh, Michael Kopp on from PHCC, uh, the National Association, and he's going to talk about some pretty interesting results he got from a survey he did with about 100 respondents of the membership regarding COVID and post-COVID responses and how their business is faring. So, uh, Michael, how you doing? Come on into the show. Hey, I'm doing great. I, I'm, like, becoming a regular. I know. And, and, and I... And listen, just for you, I did wear pants today, so just oh. want to put that out there. Oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. We're, we're frankly, debating if John unsee that. Yeah, I'm debating if John has any on right now, and I yeah. don't want to see. Before we get into this this meaty survey you did, I just got to say, man, I'm going to miss you. I just heard, you know, this week that you're announcing your retirement from PHCC. So. You know, thanks for all you did. Uh, I think what in this, how many years was it? Six, six seven. seven years. It'll be yeah, it'll be six in a few months by then. Tell us about this. What's what's the next chapter? Do you know or what what's happening? Yeah, so um, you know, my wife and I would like to uh, um, move down to uh, Texas, and mm-hmm. well, I'm, you know, I'm going to be looking for something else to do. I can't sit around. I'm kind of a workaholic by nature. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've been in association work since 97. I'm kind of ready to do maybe something a little different, either teach or do some consulting or yeah, I'm not really sure yet. Well, it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. news, yeah. And um, I, I can see it already. Bow ties and boots. Exactly. <laughs> it, ha- it, it has happened. Just the bow ties and boots. That would be classic. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, God. again, you cannot unsee that. <laughs> But no, thank you for all you did. I'm sure the PHCC has grown and become a better institution because of your work there. So I uh, appreciate all well, you did. Well, you know, it's a team effort. I mean, the members have worked hard, uh, the member leaders, the staff. And, you know, in the next seven months, we're just trying to leave it out all in the field and, and get ready as we sort of normalize and uh, get, get beyond this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was great to be on a plane this week and yeah. uh, check out the sites in Cleveland for our 2023 Connect. Oh yeah! Um, so we're we're pretty happy. We're I mean, excited the, for 2022 or our 2021 Connect though coming up in Kansas City in October. Yeah, so. we're pretty excited about it. Uh, we just opened registration. Um, you know, it's every precaution is being taken to make sure everybody's safe. Uh, although you know you're starting to see these restrictions being removed state by state, and so. Yeah. We're hoping by the time we get to the end of October, which is when our show is, it, it should feel fairly normal. Um, a big green light. That's it's a nice. big green light. And I can't tell you how many members and our member leaders are really looking forward to a face-to-face event and being able to see each other and 
yeah. share best practices and network and, mm-hmm. and take advantage of the education. So we're, we're pretty proud of the effort and um, we hope you guys will be there. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we're both, I mean, I, hopefully everyone will be vaccinated. So, you know, big hugs and we can lick each other. It'll be, you know, just like <laughs> old times. I have my limitations. Yes, I do as well. <laughs> I mean, I will be vaccinated uh, as of today, but the licking, we, we need, to, <laughs> need to rethink that. <laughs> oh, boy. Anywho. Uh, so would you like to hear about our survey results? <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, it's the con- <laughs> co- contractor sentiment survey. Is that what you called it or what? It is. Yeah. 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 So I, uh, we were on a call last week uh, with Pilk the Plumbing Industry Leadership Coalition, and you shared these results, and I thought they were very fascinating and uh, pretty pretty good information. So, um, yeah, why don't you kind of share what you glean from the, from the report? Sure, and just as a reminder, you know, PHCC has been around since 1883. We've got about 3,500 contractors that employ between 60 and 65,000 plumbers and technicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got about 25 staff here, and we serve both the plumbing and HVAC contractors, uh, both with uh, two organizations, right? The the association, uh, what you traditionally think of as PHCC, mm-hmm. uh, which is the 501c6. And then we have the uh, PHCC Educational Foundation, which is our 501c3, and, and they do all the career development. They're doing all of the apprenticeship programs. Uh, those guys knock it out of the park, and they're really providing a lot of value, especially to our chapters who've had to pivot from you know brick and mortar uh, schools to online programs that have been approved by the DOL. So, just a little bit of background about PHCC, and maybe to provide just a little bit of context uh, before we get into the survey. Uh, according to the Bureau of uh, Labor Statistics, there are about 481,000 plumbing jobs back in 2016. And by 2026, the number of jobs were projected to grow by 16%. And the um, the employment of of HVAC technicians with roughly uh, 333,000 jobs uh, will have grown 15% during that same 10-year period. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the themes that you'll hear in the, um, in the response is, is that, you know, workforce continues to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the pandemic did not help us <laughs> yeah, in that regard. So, um, and then one side note is that by the end of last year, more than 50% of the businesses entering the construction industry. So we're talking about startups will be minority or female owned. Oh, okay. Uh, so quite a, and I'm very proud of that. And, yeah. You know, it's great. a very interesting um, demographic that I thought I'd bring to your attention. That's great news. Um, that, so I mean, that, real quick, real quick, Michael, that's all, that's close to 125,000 jobs being created over the next five years. That's, yeah. that's pretty impressive. It, it, it really is. But again, you know, we are continuing to have a struggle with attracting sufficient numbers of, of, of employees uh, for these jobs. You talk about infrastructure and, and, you know, it's likely that some kind of program is going to be approved uh, by Congress. And, you know, I sit back and I think about, well, who's going to do that work? It's a, it's a, it's a cultural challenge. It's a national challenge. And, um, and it certainly come through in this, uh, in this survey results. 
let me give you just a couple of other pieces of, of context here. So uh, FMI Capital Advisors is a, is a group that uh, we typically look at as they plot the construction um, spends um, across various industries. But if you look at residential and non-residential buildings, you know, we're starting to see a bit of a lull between 20 and 21. And then starting in 22, you start to see sort of this gradual growth. So I think over the next 12 to 18 months, uh, people are still trying to get their legs under them. And I think mm -hmm. then you're going to start to see uh, modest increases. And then lastly, it just, you know, I looked at the different sectors within the construction industry. So, you know, single family, multifamily, lodging, office, um, and, and I'll go through just a couple of more. But if I don't mention them, they're down mm -hmm. <laughs> by uh, several percentage points. But the office space is seeing modest growth of 1%. And really, it's because of the demand for increased data centers. And when you look at uh, commercial, healthcare, educational, and, uh, and religious uh, buildings, you can see that healthcare and educational institutions are also seeing a modest increase. Mm -hmm. On the healthcare side, it's kind of a resurgence of larger healthcare campuses. And then on the educational side, it's really uh, going back and modifying and upgrading educational facilities through the uh, federal stimulus programs. And then finally, for public safety and amusement and recreation uh, sectors, um, we see for public safety, that's up by 6%, or will be up by 6%. Uh, and that's primarily because of the need to update the facilities and infrastructure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this was kind of my way of providing context for the following results, because I care, damn it. I'm just looking at some of the bullet points that uh, were provided. It says respondents rated the continuing impact of COVID on their business as being low or medium impact. What, in, what is that? What is low or medium impact? Is there a, a scale? I mean, what does that mean? I, I think we're just comparing where they were last year versus where they are this year. Mm -hmm. and, and basically the number of people that ranked that impact on them and their businesses mm -hmm. uh, as being between no impact at all to high impact. I got you. So it's kind of on a like, all of these are like, are on a Likert scale. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and what's interesting about this, John, is that uh, if you look at the results now versus last year, the number of people ranking impact as medium high to high dropped to nine percent yeah yeah from 43 percent in the spring of 2020 mm -hmm. so that's a bit of good news that's a uh, huge that we saw it's like let's get back to work damn it yeah you know? yeah yeah uh some of the top challenges that that folks expressed is really uh addressing the employee health and safety concerns um, still not operating with a full staff Increased operating costs due to increased needs for, you know, PPE and job site sanitation, uh, addressing customer health and safety concerns, and modifying their operations and job sites so they can follow the new OSHA CDC guidelines. Mm -hmm. um, and then on a side note, it, you know, it's taking a little bit longer for folks to schedule or reschedule jobs that have been sitting for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And 
to complete those jobs, uh, they're seeing some increased costs, as I sort of pointed out. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things I'm seeing now is the disruption in the supply chain. It says here, you know, according to the surveys, contractors cited difficulties with shortages and price increases, uh, getting the equipment in in a slow supply chain. So those are pretty important things. I mean, we've been seeing that the last few months. Well, we've heard that from some of the people we've had on our podcast over the last couple of months as mm-hmm. well. Just huge delays in shipments of materials and or materials not being available for quite some time. Yeah, and, and respondents certainly uh, shared that amongst some other concerns. So, yeah, supply chain slowdowns, rapid and unpredictable price increases, especially in raw material and assemblies. Now, remember, we, we had surveyed both plumbers and HVAC technicians. So, they also noted that getting HVAC equipment has been a bit of a, um, a challenge. Mm-hmm. And then they're seeing some increased call-offs due to child care issues. Um, you know, a lot of child care facilities aren't open yet. Schools are still virtual. So there is some stress and anxiety kind of centered on that. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's just another result of, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And a damn ship getting stuck in a canal. No, that can't be it. Yeah, that can't be good. <laughs> Michael, when you look at these contractor survey results, how does PHCC navigate how they formulate you know, training in the future, uh, organizational needs for their members? What, how do you take this data and incorporate it into action plans for PHCC? No, that's a great pro- question. So I'll give you an example. So we started this survey back in 2016. Uh, We may have skipped a year or so, but now this is our third one. One of the things that kind of came out of the of the early surveys, and I'd already been in the job for maybe a year. You know, contractors were talking about wanting to have access to training that was more service oriented. They didn't necessarily want to run their employees through a full four or five year apprenticeship program, but they did want to run them through a service program. And so the foundation uh, picked up the uh, fast track uh, education program from our um, QSC special interest group. And they're now transforming that onto an online platform and that will be provided uh, virtually. And they're just now, testing that program with the chapters as a direct result of, of contractors saying, look, we need, we need some specialized training in that area. So it certainly doesn't happen overnight, but it's certainly a way for PHC to strengthen its value to its members and, and the industries. Yeah. I mean, we're always thinking about how are we going to remain relevant 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. We, we think about what we're doing from a day-to-day basis and, handling all of those tactical issues to get everyone taken care of, you know, whether that's our members or our chapters, but there's always the long view, right? Got to make sure that Mm -hmm. we know where we're going and what the contractors are going to need. Then we're always in that mindset. A couple of other data points that came out of the survey is um, we did ask whether or not the contractors were planning to apply for a second PPP Mm -hmm. loan. Mm Mm-hmm. And the majority said no. Just about 60% of the respondents said, no, we're not going to do that. And there was a small contingency that's sort of waiting to see if it's something that they need. But that, that was a 
that was a big deal because early on last year, uh, we spent a lot of effort educating and getting information out to the contractors how to apply for these various loan and grant programs. Yeah. I mean, there was the fear of the unknown and uncertainty yeah. about work and, and, and jobs. It was learned pretty quickly that, uh, you know, plumbing and heating uh, technicians and employees are Essential. cream of the crop, man. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, were there any data points or survey results that jumped out at you as kind of like, wow? Well, I think that the results were encouraging. And there were still challenges that, for me personally, I feel like I want to go do something about it, right? Yeah. But, it, but, but some of these things are kind of beyond our control. You know, we're not able to, to do anything about the supply chain shortfalls, the commodities volatility, um, the raw material costs. You know, I think I saw a statistic that uh, lumber costs right now <laughs> have added $36,000 to the cost of building a home mm -hmm. and and that's from several months ago so that that may be very dated it is uh, a huge struggle and especially when you think about the majority of our members are small business owners and and so they've got to control costs as tight as they can and this is a this is one of the areas that they really express some concern about you know while they were very complimentary of the manufacturers and the suppliers and working with them to try and be creative and find alternatives. At the end of the day, you know, the supply disruption has really caused jobs to be delayed. It's, it's, it's caused, you know, concern with contractors having to, you know, reschedule jobs and that all increases the cost. But I'll tell you, you know, when we asked if the manufacturers and suppliers had been responsive to, to their needs, yeah. It was good to see that around 50% of these respondents indicated, yes, they're doing yeah. what they can. Yeah. They're facing the same str struggles we are. So yeah, it's uh, not, that was good. It's not something, it's out of their control, but they're, they're helping their constituency. And Michael, how many strategic or corporate partners were a part of the uh, survey? This was a contractor survey. So we did not survey our corporate partners. Okay. Uh, we did not survey our sponsors. Uh, if, if there was, you know, we've got some suppliers and manufacturers who are members and who got this survey, uh, but really the contractors were primarily the ones filling it out. But I think if you talk to like ASA and Hardy and, and some of the other wholesaler and distribution associations, they've got a, they've got that information locked down and they, you know, they, they're tracking that very well. Yeah. Working hand-in-hand yeah. hand with the manufacturers in the industry, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Pretty eye-opening survey results, John. Mm-hmm, for sure. Michael, thanks for putting that together and PHCC thanks for, joining for us. doing that. Thanks for joining Absolutely. us. We look forward to seeing uh, your smiley face in October. Yeah. Yes, yes. So. Bow tie, boots, and a suit. <laughs> Just want no, to be clear. Bow tie and boots. That's just the Texas. That's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the new Michael in Texas. Get revved up for that's Texas. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for jumping on, buddy. We appreciate Have a great it. weekend, Michael. Hey, listen, same to you guys. Thanks for inviting me and, um, and uh, take care of yourself. All right. We'll talk All right. soon. Okay.